Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates during events like General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery. We want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us on this journey as we learn what it means to be Free Methodist in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. everyone it's october 15th and uh, this is episode 77 that you're listening to and uh, we're going to try to to um, move right along here this morning we're not going to do too much of an intro and we're going to just transition right into the main thing i want to talk about and share with you today um, for a couple different reasons but one of the one of the biggest things you may remember if you've been listening to the show for a while or you've been listening to the last few shows um, you'll remember that uh, I am leaving to go to Cuba on a missions trip with a church in the Pittsburgh conference uh, my wife and I are both leaving from the 20th through the 30th um, and so this means a few different things first of all it means um, that uh, there will be no new shows coming out the next two Mondays um, for the rest of October you won't hear anything or have any postings um, on the Facebook page or anything like that um, past this Saturday. Um, the other thing to uh, keep in mind um, is that, uh, well, we, we are going to Cuba for these days, and it would be great um, if you're listening just to, to pray for our team um, and to be uh, thinking of us as we're down there whenever you do think of us and think of what we're doing and just that you'd be praying for us. And just briefly, I'll just tell you, um, I'm going to be primarily doing uh, seminars down there and speaking at services, so a lot of speaking stuff um, as far as services go and seminars. Um and uh, my wife will be in charge of a team that will be doing uh, programs with the kids. Uh, we'll be, they'll be doing skits. They'll be doing you know, puppets. They'll be doing uh, uh, craft and a lesson. Um, so they'll be doing that at, at, ultimately, we'll be going to up to eight different churches across Cuba um, during our 10 days there. So uh, if you could be praying uh, for us during that, um, and um, when we get back, hopefully, we'll have some recordings uh, there. I don't think I'm going to be able to bring my microphone down, but I will bring my iPad, so it may be a bad quality you know, of recording, possibly. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to hopefully get some recordings from Cuba and uh, come back. And, and on the next episode, starting in November, we will have a big report for you and kind of what God's doing down there and things that have happened and from some of the team members from that Pittsburgh Conference Church uh, talking to us. So um, that'll be exciting. Look forward to that coming up. And uh, speaking of prayer and speaking of missions, uh, we have our uh, Free Methodist World Missions Prayer Guide here. And uh, I do want to look at the 15th, not only today, but I want to look at uh, the following two Mondays as well because we won't have an episode, as I've said. So let's look at the 15th, the 22nd, and the 29th here. Um, and I'll read to you what it says. On the 15th, it says, we'd be praying for the Middle East today, that we would pray for the development of discipleship and training materials in Arabic, which are in short supply. On the 22nd, we are to be praying for the Creative Access Country C 
Um, and uh, if you're not familiar with what that means, ultimately it means that we can't say what that country is. Um, I don't know what that country is. You know, that's just something that uh, that the the people who are involved at Free Methodist World Missions know what those countries are, uh, but they have to keep them a secret because it's either illegal for Christianity or the missionary could get in trouble um, if they're found out from that government or whatnot. Um, it just could be dangerous. Um, and so uh, on the 22nd, it tells us to pray for Jessica as she leads Bible study groups in her community and balances this ministry with homeschooling her teenage daughter. Um, and then we also have the 29th, uh, Monday the 29th, says pray for Columbia. And uh, Columbia says here, uh, pray for Medellin uh, Center for Family Development, an after-school program that helps get that helps get at-risk children off the streets and provides spiritual, academic, and recreational support to counteract the destructive culture in which they live. That's a big thing going on there in Colombia. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, and as I always always like to say, there are um, every single day they have something to pray for and to look at. Please look at your your guide uh, to guide you in in what to pray for um, throughout the week and throughout these these next uh, throughout the whole month, really. Um, so let's take a moment to pray for the things that we've specifically mentioned today. Dear God, we just pray right now for the Middle East. We pray for um, the discipleship groups and these training materials that are coming, um, that, that we hope are coming uh, to this area. And we know that, uh, as we've just read, these, these materials in Arabic specifically in this language are in very short supply. Um, there are probably a lot of reasons that that happens, but we just ask right now that you will um, help uh, the people who have this knowledge to be able to translate these materials, that you'll put them all in the right places, that uh, they would be able to develop these materials and, and do it well. So that people would be able to uh, be trained and discipled in your word. Then we pray for this creative access country. We don't know what this creative access country is, what the name of this country is. Um, but you know what it is, and that's the most important thing. And, uh, of course, the missionaries involved know as well. And so we just pray right now for wherever this place is in our world. We pray for Jessica specifically as she leads these Bible study groups. If it's a uh, place that is um, dangerous in any way, we pray that you'll keep her safe, that um, you will allow her to do the work um, without being um, quieted or, or her message, uh, you know, um, um, quieted in any way. And we just pray that um, Jessica would be able to um, do that well, as well as homeschooling um, her teenage daughter, and uh, that the, this daughter, Jessica's daughter, would um, just be uh, strong in her faith and um, that uh, living in this other country, that she would just be able to... Um, um, fully uh, embrace you and, and, and reach out to others alongside of her mother as well. Um, and then we pray for uh, Columbia and the big stuff that's going on there, uh, this Center for Family Development and this after-school program that has started up. Uh, we pray for these children that are at risk, and uh, we thank you that this, this center exists to get them off the streets. Um, and uh, we thank you that it's not just a, a, a free food thing or a, even just an educational thing, but it also um, is providing spiritual support and, this, and, and recreational support. And it's really just covering everything for these kids who would 
likely be getting into trouble otherwise on the streets. And so um, we just pray for these kids, but we all we even step take a step back from that and we pray for the culture that they're in that is that is providing the risk, that is leading to this risk. And we just ask right now that you would transform the culture so that in the future, there isn't even a need for this center. As, as great as the center is, we just pray that one day it would get to the point that, that the culture was so great, that the culture was, was so followed after you that they didn't even need a center uh, where kids could come to, uh, to get away from the risk of the streets, but that the streets would be uh, overpopulated with uh, followers of you and people who would want to do what you would have them do. And we just ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Well, as I said, I, uh, I, I wanted to uh, keep it short, the opening intro for us today, and I think I did that to about eight minutes here. Um, I want to continue on now with, with the topic that I wanted to talk to you about today, and I may, I, I don't know, I, sometimes I ramble on and on, I guess, but uh, I'll try to keep this short as well. I do have some things uh, as we're leading into uh, this Cuba week uh, within, within the next few days, you know, getting ready to leave and... Uh, we have a lot to do still. I have some things I need to look over for my speeches. So I did want to put something out there today for all of you, and I wanted to uh, publish this episode. Um, but uh, I do want to kind of keep it shorter if possible. <laughs> Again, who knows with me. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk to you today about an issue um, that uh, you may have seen the title of this episode. And maybe when you saw the title, you thought, okay, well, this this sounds interesting, or maybe you thought, well, I'm not sure if I should listen to that one. That one sounds a little, you know, X-rated, or maybe you had a, you, everybody probably had a thought when they saw the title of this episode. I titled this episode, Sex, Porn, and the Elephant in the Pew. And uh, over the years, I have had uh, varied interaction and uh, study on this issue of pornography and, and you know sex addiction and all these sorts of things overall. And I wanted to share some things that I've learned over the years with you. Um, and I, I guess kind of just to give a background on myself uh, as far as this issue goes, um, I, back in college, I graduated from Geneva College in 2008. Uh, so I graduated from Geneva College 2008, about 10 years ago. And uh, when I graduated, while I was at Geneva College, I um, got deeply involved with um, a ministry that had just started uh, within that time period called triplexchurch.com. So you can actually go to the website today. Um, it's xxxchurch.com. And, and I know the name sounds like, well, what's that? You know, xxx. That's usually not something you want to type into your computer, right? <laughs> um, but you want to make sure you spell it right, of course, xxx and then church as in, you know, how you would normally spell church.com. Very simple, xxxchurch.com, triplexchurch.com. And uh, there were these two guys that worked for Triple X Church um, that were kind of heading it up. They were pastors. And these guys, uh, uh, Craig and Mike, they had been youth pastors for many different years. And they were, of course, interacting with, with the teens in their youth groups. And uh, they would often talk about the issues that the teens were facing. And there were a lot of resources out there for kids facing different issues, you know, things that teens would go through, things that adults would go through. But as they started to look at these issues, they saw, of course, one big thing that especially the teens in their youth group were facing was this issue of porn addiction and, and looking up things online, and especially in a time 
you know, going back to 2002, you know, this was the internet's just really taking off. It's been around for a while now, right? But it's really just taking off where, you know, speeds, internet speeds are getting a little faster. There's more websites every day, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of websites showing up each day, you know, are coming on. So this is when, you know, things are really becoming more than just you know, back in the day where if you wanted to see something pornographic, you'd need to go to the store and ask for something in a paper bag. You know, it's behind the counter and, you you know, they go back and get it for you. This has changed. You know, you can type in something on your computer and in today's world, you know, this is, this is obvious information um, for us. We have a device in most of our hands, maybe at this very moment, maybe you're listening to the podcast on a device, right? A smartphone that you can type in anything and in seconds, you're going to see something, right? Um, but I want you to put you back into 2002, into the time when I was in college and also the time that, um, or early high school or late high school even, I mean, into the time when, when Craig and Mike were seeing this, right? They're, they're seeing this becoming a bigger issue. They're seeing this, nobody is really speaking out at this time on this issue as far as the church is concerned. Uh, so they started to look at this and say, well, there are some people that are speaking out. There are some people that are, that are even ministering. Um, in their own special way. And so uh, so let me give you a, an example of what they did. So, so Craig and Mike, um, they said, well, first of all, we need to find resources for our kids. And there weren't very many. And then they said, well, let's take a step back and look at what might be causing this issue. Right. Let's let's see um, the 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 industry itself, the porn industry itself. What is going on with this issue? And so they started to look, they found out, uh, they researched and found out things like, for example, in Los Angeles is one of them, that there was a big convention that was held every single year. Hundreds of thousands of people would come into a big convention center and they'd just pack it full of selling and buying and, and, and stars of the industry signing autographs. And they said, well, have Christians ever, ever tried to reach out to this industry, to try to transform the girls, the guys, uh, try to minister to them in any way. And they found out that, like I said, there were some Christians that had kind of reached out to the industry, but in a different way. They, they had uh, stood outside of these convention centers and they had held signs with flames on it that said, you know, if you go inside, you're going to hell. Uh, you know, you know, adulterers are 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 doomed or you know those types of things that don't offer any sense of forgiveness they just offer hey if you're involved with this you're going into the fiery hell right <laughs> and, and and Craig and Mike they looked at this world and they said here's somebody's daughter here's somebody's son involved in this industry and they just said we we need to do something about this so, you know, they were two guys. And, and you, you know, when you think about this issue, you always think, well, it's a guy's issue. And we'll get to it in a moment. It's not, that's not really true. Um, however, you know, they, they weren't stupid. So they weren't just going to jump in and start ministering to or start solving this, start, start looking into this issue of pornography uh, without some women on board, primarily their wives, right? They were both married. And so they said they got their wives on board. And then they got some people from the church on board, from the churches they worked at. And they said, you know what? We feel like we need to minister to the people in this industry. And they came up with the, this crazy idea, which is still pretty controversial today, I would say, in 2018. They said, well, we don't want to stand outside and, you know, pass out, you know, flyers as people go in to say Jesus loves you or anything or, or hold up a sign. They said, we want to buy some booth space right in the center 
of the porn show. So there's people walking by and they're buying DVDs or magazines, right, at all the other stations. But here, right in the center, they come across a booth that says xxxchurch.com. And uh, at this booth, they said, well, what will we have at the booth? We don't, we're not going to sell, you know, obviously anything like everybody else is selling. We don't have anybody famous to meet. You know, we don't have any stars of the industry. So who's, why are they going to stop by and see pastors and their wives standing at a booth? So they talk to the people in the church and the older people in the church, they say, well, you know, in the basement of the church, we have these Bibles and these Bibles have like a peaceful scene on them with a river, you know, those older Bibles where they'd print, you know, an image on the front and they're kind of cheesy looking, to be honest with you, right? It's got some birds and it's this, you know, uh, God's word or whatever on it. And they said, the older people in the church said, well, why don't you bring these Bibles? We've got like 500 and you just give them away at the, at the show. And, you know, <laughs> Craig heard this and Mike heard this and they thought, well, I don't know that people at this kind of a show are going to, you know, want to pick up a free Bible. But they said, hey, I guess it couldn't hurt, right? So they bring these, they, they put up the tables and they show up at the booth and it's a pretty basic booth. They just have their sign that says triplexchurch.com and telling people about the website with, the website has resources and, and, um, uh, pastors and other uh, former um, producers and, and former um, porn stars that are on there talking about how they've been hurt and how, how we can work towards restoration and peace. So, so, so they're setting up this booth and they're pointing people towards, hey, when you get home, please go on our site and, and see some of these resources. See some of the truth behind what you're, what you're seeing here today. See, you know, what the truth is in this issue, right? So they have that, but then they have the table out there with the Bibles, and they didn't seem to be going to take these. Well, every single Bible was taken on the first day of this like three show conference. So it was crazy. People are taking Bibles at this porn show. So the next year and every year since, they've had different missions teams come in, and they've had you know really expanded since just them and their wives in the first year. But they've they've expanded this team. Um, and they have, I mean, Bibles upon Bibles now that they give away at these shows all the time because they're seeing that people are taking them and they believe this verse in the scriptures that says the word of God will not return void. So they believe, hey, in some way, God is going to use this Bible in this person's hand, whether it's, you know, just to give them that, the, the, that truth and maybe they don't accept it, but the, hey, they got the truth. They need to, to have it in front of them. Whatever it is, right? Or some lives, many lives even, have been transformed by, you know what, I didn't really think much of you or I, I actually hated your message, but, but I opened this Bible and I, I thought more about what you were saying and you know what, my life was transformed and I'm leaving this life, lifestyle behind. So that gives you this little background um, in, again, I guess I, I went a little longer, uh, but that gives you a background on this issue and in college, I uh, I connected up with these guys a few times and spent some time talking to them and just really liked this different idea of not just talking about something, but actually doing something. And of course, this was controversial, but doing something uh, out of the box, very unique, um, right? And so uh, from these guys, Craig and, and Mike and some of the others who were working on their team, I learned a lot of things that I, that I didn't know before. And uh, I learned a lot about the statistics of of, of what goes on. And so I wanted to share some of those things with you today. As I've already said, one of the biggest things that people kind of just have in the back of their minds is that, well, this is kind of a guy's issue, right? This is something that guys struggle with and women, um, they're the ones that are harmed by it, but they don't really struggle with it. And that's not actually true. Um, in fact, 33%, so one third of 
any person, uh, an average person that goes on to one of these uh, pornographic websites, um, one third, 33% are women. So yes, we're still talking the majority, 66% are guys that are going on to these sites and are downloading this stuff or you know buying these, these books or whatever. Um, but women are 33%. There is, that is a huge chunk. So we, we have to realize that first of all, that this extends past just a certain gender um, you know, or a certain group. Um, we also have to understand that every single year almost, or every few years I should say, the average age that somebody first sees pornography is going down. It's getting younger and younger. So back in um, in the early 2000s, the statistic said um, that you the the most uh, the average age of first exposure in commercial pornography is somewhere between 11 and 14. And you think, wow, that's crazy. 11, 14. I mean, that's pretty young. But now it's gone down even more than that. I mean, I, last I checked, I think it was 9 to 11, something like that. And to be honest with you, it's probably um, probably even younger than that now. And this isn't, you got to keep in mind, this isn't meaning that a nine-year-old is, every single nine-year-old is going searching for these types of terms online. But what is happening now, parents, you need to, to realize this. What is happening now are a few things. First of all, certain sites block pornography. Like if, I, if somebody were to go on and post a picture on Facebook, that would be banned. You know, that person would be banned. They, their account would be shut down. But on Instagram or some of these other sites, especially Snapchat, these things are not banned. You can post something that is essentially pornography on one of these sites, uh, one of these social media sites, and they'll allow you to keep your to keep your stuff up. So a child who is on there, nine year old, and he's got all his friends and he's added some people and you know, he's, he's just doing his normal thing or she's doing her normal thing, right? She's posting a picture of her and her friends at the, at the fair or something, right? Just, just, just some, just totally innocent stuff. But then they go on there and they're scrolling through the friends and the people they've added and somebody who's maybe, maybe you know, older obviously, is posting something on there um, that is not, that is not right. And they see that for the first time, not because they're searching for it, but because it's just part of what's in the social media feeds. And then what's really evil about what's been going on, and this is, so this is, this is the evil, this is getting into the evil stuff now. On Google, um, these, these uh, pornographers and these, those who produce in the industry are realizing, hey, um, we can hook people on this stuff. This stuff is addictive, right? I mean, that's nothing new. But what is evil about it is that they're tying pornography to certain children's search terms. In other words, you could go on to Google and you're looking for an image of, you know, say, Daniel Tiger, right? That's one of the kids' shows that my daughter watches. You could look up, type in Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And so you're going to see page upon page of, you know, the characters from Daniel Tiger. But you get down to page 50 of images or something like that. You go way down the line on some of these children's search terms. You know, Sesame Street, Oscar the Grouch, just innocent things. And you type that into Google and you're going to find images that are pornographic images that are going to lead, lead people who are looking for these normal things, these kids' things, to these porn sites. So I, I want you to understand, first of all, that the problem is extending past gender. It's extending into children that are not searching for this stuff. So if you say, well, my, my child would never look for that. I, I know he's not even interested in anything like that right now. It doesn't mean that he's not going to see it or she's not going to see it. So you have to be careful. You need to be talking to your kids about you know, what 
they're seeing online. And, and honestly, um, I know a lot of parents historically have had a conversation with their kids when they got older. Maybe, okay, well, they're getting into their 15 and 16 now. Now I need to have that talk with them, right? The talk, the birds and the bees, that whole thing. But what we're finding in these, in these resources and in these statistics is that um, most kids today are seeing something or learning about sex or you know any, any of these issues. They're learning about it not from their parents. They're learning about it from their friends talking about things, joking about stuff. They're learning about it from an accident coming up or you know a, a magazine that is at a friend's house that their dad had, you know, those types of things. Um, and so you have to understand that they're going to learn about these things one way or another. And, and you, you probably want to talk to them before it gets to the point that you go like, oh, it's too late. They already have learned from a source that is going to lie to them, right? Because kids are going to joke around. They're not going to know the truth about these issues that we're talking about today. Uh, you know, so if their kids are joking, they're not getting the truth on this stuff. If they're looking up something online purposefully or non-purposefully, if they're finding stuff, that they're not going to know the truth about this stuff, right? They're not going to know the truth about sex. They're going to know what the porn industry wants you to know or what their friends have learned through whatever means their friends have learned um, at, at the school or whatever it is. So those are things that I want you to understand, that this is a huge thing. Now, when it comes to church and Christians, and uh, this episode, you know, I titled this episode uh, Sex Porn and the Elephant in the Pew. And I kind of stole that phrase from a thing that Craig and Mike did early on. Um, they, they would go around and when they spoke at churches, they had this giant inflatable um, elephant that they would blow up that would stand outside the church that people go, what's that huge elephant? And it's, be hey, because we're talking about the elephant in the pew today, you know, this thing that nobody really wants to talk about a lot of times because it's kind of awkward or, you know, behind the scenes and, um, you know, but it's something that needs to be talked about. So when it comes to church, here's some statistics for you. It's interesting because as you look at what's being bought um, as far as pornography goes, um, they, the, the sales go way down on Sundays. So uh, here's some statistics here. Um, Sundays only account for 5.29% of the revenue, overall revenue from pornography. And we can contrast that with, say, a Wednesday, which accounts for 20.53% of revenue. That's the, that's the big day. Wednesdays are the biggest day for people to consume this online or in, in buying um, you know, magazines and those types of things. And as an aside, when we're talking about buying things, you say, well, well, I have a problem with looking at this, but I've never bought anything. At least I have never, you know, made that purchase. Um, one thing we have to understand is that, uh, if you've ever been on any of those sites or anything's ever come up, you know, there's a million pop-ups or there's ads that come up all the time. Every time one of those ads appear, uh, the big companies are getting money, right? Because these small, um, the big companies are paying to have their ads on this other site. So even if you have never paid a cent for a magazine, a video, anything like that, right? You are still, every time you see one of these ads, the big companies are getting money. They're seeing how many clicks are on this site. Okay, they saw my ad today. That means that I get paid X amount. So you know, you are paying into it one way or another if you're consuming this kind of stuff in any way that you look at it. So... so 
getting back to our numbers on, on the money here, we look at Sundays and we see that Sunday is the least popular day. Not only uh, It's not only the least um, amount of revenue that comes in on Sundays, but it's also the least popular day for viewing porn. When they look at see, see how many views are coming in on these videos, they're seeing Sunday, not a lot of people uh, are, com are coming in. Contrasted with um, Saturdays, which are 19.91% of the total traffic that comes on. Also, uh, talking about purchases, porn pur purchases overall go down 75% overall on Sundays. So what we're seeing here, what, what do all these statistics mean, right? Does it just show us that more less people are? Yes, it, it shows us a uh, face value. It shows us that, okay, Sundays, things are really dropping down. The views are going down on Sundays. Um, the purchases are going down on Sundays. And in one way, we might say, well, that's good. You know, that, that, that's good that on Sundays, people are, it, it seems as if their, their minds are on something else. And we would like to hope, right, that their minds are on Jesus. Their minds are on, you know, the church in that time. And in some ways, yes, we could say, well, that's good then, right? That's, that's a great thing that their minds are not on porn, right, then On Sundays that their minds are on church and the, and, and the Bible and the things of God. That's what we hope. Um, but unfortunately, what this, this creates in our minds is essentially what we're saying is, is that this is dualism. And if you're not familiar with dualism, it's this idea that we have different compartments of our lives. So what it says is that people are fine with viewing pornography or buying pornography on Saturday all the way up through, um, you know, the following, um, you know, through the following week. I'm sorry, I should say Monday through Saturday. That makes a lot more sense, right? Monday through Saturday, people are fine with this. And, and maybe they're not fine. You know, there's people who are listening to this right now that say, well, I'm not fine. Every time I do this, I feel horrible about it, right? Um, but, but... Um, we put up these things to say, well, I really shouldn't do it, especially today, because it's Sunday. I, I, you know, I just came from church. I really shouldn't look today. But then on Monday, it's like, I still don't like this, but it's okay. you know, we give in to it. So Monday through Saturday, people are living a certain way, whether they want to or whether they're you know, unwilling but still doing it. But what we're seeing is Sunday, people are less willing to do it. And what that shows us is that they're compartmentalizing their lives. People are saying, well, my, my spiritual life, I don't do certain things on this one day. But my other life is over here. We have my work life. I have my secret life on the computer. You know, the things I look up on my phone. That's the other days that I'm dealing with. And that's okay in some way. The other days. Dualism, as it comes to Jesus is not a viable way of living. Jesus never gives us the option to be an apprentice of Jesus, you know, six days a week and one day and one day do something else or vice versa. He doesn't say, will you be my apprentice one day a week on Sundays? And then the other six days, you know, you go to work and you do your own thing. Jesus talks about a kind of life where whether we're at work, whether we're at home alone, whether we're on vacation, every single moment, every step we take, we are doing it as an apprentice of Jesus. Even the things that you go, well, those are inconsequential. When we're walking to the store, we're not just walking to the store, we're an apprentice of Jesus. When we're making our dinner, we're not just making our dinner, but we're an apprentice of Jesus. And some of those things you go, well, how do you, how do you, 
you know, make dinner as a Christian. Well, some of those things are, are not possible. You know, it's, there's no spiritual way to make dinner and no, there's no non-spiritual way in some, some regards, right? Um, but every single moment, if we have this idea that we're an apprentice of Jesus, we're a follower, a disciple of Jesus in every single moment, what we start to understand is that, hey, when we're at work, we may not be doing something overtly spiritual every second, right? We may not be talking about Jesus every second. But when we're at work doing our day-to-day -day stuff, our average everyday work, and then somebody comes over, they're super annoying. They're just, oh, here he comes again, right? We're not going to all of a sudden say, well, I'm at work right now, and this guy's getting in the way of my work. He's, a, he's an annoying jerk. I hate talking to this guy. We're going to filter our thoughts through the lens of, I'm an apprentice of Jesus at work. And here's this annoying guy coming. How am I going to interact with him? Or how am I going to lead him, point him towards Jesus right now in our conversations at this work? So this gives us this idea that for Jesus and for the scriptures, our lives are not compartmentalized. And getting back to our topic for today, this elephant in the pew is this idea that obviously many Christians, um, many people who are um, buying and selling these things are stopping on Saturday. Or, I'm sorry, on Sunday. And it's, 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 it's uh, scary to think about for different reasons, but it's scary because it shows us that people have compartmentalized their lives and Jesus doesn't want us to be a part of that. So we have this idea, we understand the issues. And, and like I said, for most people, most Christians who are especially those who are investing in their faith a little bit more and really thinking through issues, I don't think there's anybody who sits back and goes, well, you know, I don't really think this is a big issue. I think people who are addicted really know it's a problem and they understand it's an issue, um, but they don't really know how to deal with it sometimes because it is so behind the scenes. So we have to ask ourselves, how can we deal with this? And I, I, I do want to say one more thing before I get into that, actually. I, I, I do have one more thing that I want to mention to you about the issue here. Because we've been talking for the last few weeks. Uh, we've had a few guests on here. Um, not last week, that was Mike Leonard. Um, but the, the few weeks beforehand, we talked to Kevin Austin from Set Free. And then we talked to um, another pastor um, about uh, the Set Free stuff that's going on through the Story Project down in Columbus. So we talked about these issues. And so sometimes when we think about pornography or some of the things that are happening, we can honestly report that in the world, there are people who are modern day slaves that are being forced to make these videos you know, put a smile on their face. Um, and we know, we can say, though that is, that is completely wrong, right? I mean, there's not a lot of people that would argue with that, except I, I, maybe the most warped people um, that would try to argue that fact, right? If someone's being held against their will and being forced to make these sort of videos or photos, most people would agree, Christian or not, that that is wrong. Now, there are some people and a lot more people that say, well, I understand that. But if somebody wants to make money off of this, you know, somebody's agreeing, they're signing the, the waivers, they're okay with doing this sort of stuff, then what's really wrong with it? There are some people that would argue that and some Christians even that would say, hey, you know, I don't like it, but that's what this person's chose. So I don't, you know, I don't really want to stand in their way or however they put it, right? Um, what we don't understand is that uh, there are sometimes is that there are a lot of, a lot of, um, false pretenses put up, um, you know, in acting, you know, we wouldn't uh, see someone in Hollywood and, and see them in a, in a role in a movie and think that's who that person is. 
Um, but for some reason, when it comes to this sex industry, this porn industry, we think, well, you know, the women and the guys who are involved, they, they actually enjoy what they do. You know, they, they, this is something enjoyable for them. They like doing this kind of stuff. You know, and, and and they'll point you to not only the videos or the pictures where they smile or whatever, but they'll point you to interviews with these people. They'll say, well, look in this interview right here. Jenna Jameson, one of the most famous people while she was in it 10 plus years ago, she said, well, I like doing this. This is just what I've chosen to do as work. It's, you know, some days are better than others, but isn't your job, you know, yeah, this is what I chose. I enjoy this. So they'll point you towards interviews to people like this, but it's a false pretense. The, these. The people in the industry, um, the majority, if not all of them, are putting up false pretenses um, about this. So that example I just gave of the interview with Jenna Jameson where she said this, was, this is great, this is what she loves to do with her life, right? She then retired from the industry several years later and said, you know what, I just made all that stuff up. <laughs> I never enjoyed this. Who would enjoy this kind of stuff? You know, doing this kind of stuff on film for the whole world to see and being there for hours on end and five hours later, you're still there. It's like, who, who would enjoy that, right? Um, so, she, you know, the, the walls fell away and the truth came out. And I wanted to, to just read to you just a couple little clips of a book called Uncovering the Truth Behind Porn, The Dirty Little Secret. Uh, it was written by Craig Gross several years ago, maybe 2004, something like that, or a little earlier. Um, but the majority of this book I wouldn't read to you here on the podcast just because there is a lot of explicit stuff in the book that uh, he's not afraid. Craig isn't afraid to tell you the truth about what's going on in the industry. Um, again, Craig is the founder of that website we talked about, the triplexchurch.com. And uh, so he talks about interviewing this guy uh, who, worked, who, who worked at a school um, and uh, at this college, I should say. And the guy who worked at the college um, was, was writing, um, I believe it was, I, I didn't go back to the beginning of the story. It's been many years since I've read it. Um, I'm looking at the excerpt here. But I believe what the scenario was is that this guy, his name was Carter, uh, he had the chance uh, to write about different things for his college. And maybe he was in the newspaper or something like that, right? Um, but so as he was preparing, he would always try to write these articles that were kind of getting behind the scenes of different industries or whatever, right? And so he's, he had the chance to go to a set of one of these porn shoots and so he thought well I'm gonna I'm gonna see what it's really like there you know and he thought being a college guy he thought oh this is gonna be this is gonna be great right and all of his friends were there they were talking to him he told him oh I'm going to do this story and they're like oh wow I wish I could go there can I come along with you you know blah blah they're saying all these sorts of things and so he goes to the set and there's you know pages upon what um, this guy Carter re reported on um, but I, I just wanted to read um, one little part to you, uh, kind of as he'd been there for you know hours upon hours of, of what was going on. Um, he reports um, and he writes that uh, the things that he saw and uh, when they turned the cameras off, the way that the women and the men even were just kind of just, uh, one of them was crying and, and some of them were, the, the one woman was, was sucking her thumb laying in a fetal position in the corner after they turned off the cameras. I mean, he, this is what he says. He says, I just felt numb all over, just numb. The feeling grew as I saw more stuff like bulldozers pushing on a wall until the wall finally collapses. The end result was like getting hit in the face. I knew I'd never be the same again. He then talks about the, um, the producer comes over and, and tells the woman, hey, we need to film the, the another scene. And, 
at that point, Car Carter said, you know what, I've been here so long, I should just, for better or for worse, I should stay here, see the whole thing, and, and then I get the full understanding. But he said, I just couldn't, I felt suffocated, I had to leave. And he left, the, he left, he, he says he almost ran to his car, tired and weary as he, was, as he was from the exhausting day. During his drive home, he broke down in tears. In the coffee shop several weeks later, it was part of the experience he felt most uncomfortable talking about. He fumbled for the words. He said, the tears just came, and like that fact, um, the, the tears just came, and that, like that fact alone can explain it. You'd think I'd have been affected in a different way, you know? It seemed like every guy's fantasy. He says, that ride home was the saddest I've ever been. The major part of my tears were for what I'd lost. My innocence? I don't know. Something precious, I had gotten a very exclusive view of the porn world at a dear price. I don't think I'd do it over again. So this is what he was telling Craig as they met in the coffee shop. And he says he, he was still crying weeks later at the, from what he had seen at the coffee shop. And he, and he is admitting, you know, as a college guy and all of his friends telling him, he was, he was excited to go report on this. He thought, oh, this is, this is a dream. Get to go watch people do this, right? And he, what he found was just something he could never get back. He could never unsee what really happens behind the scenes in this industry. And so uh, this last paragraph that I'll, that I'll share with you, he says, it says, Carter left the porn set on that spring day with images of a broken girl, a girl with money and nice things, but at the end of the day, she was a girl lying in a fetal position, sucking her thumb. All his thoughts about this girl that he's seen in the video, you know, being his fantasy, they disappeared. He arrived at his house in numbed silence later that evening. Some of his college friends were over and they shouted enthusiastically as he entered the house. He wanted nothing more than to go to bed and nurse his wounded innocence. And like I say, that's just a few pages of, uh, you know, he talks about, Craig talks about the statistics and the stories and the firsthand accounts from people who are in the industry. And, you know, it's almost too much when you read it. But it's one of those books that if you, if you ever need to study on, you know, from a, you need to study this industry, there is a, that, that book there, Uncovering the Truth Behind Porn by Craig Gross. And then there is a book called Porn Nation, Conquering America's Number One Addiction by Michael Lee uh, Leahy, I think his name is, L-E-A-H-Y. Um, he is also a pastor as well. Uh, so those are two of, there's many books out there and I'm sure more written in recent years on this issue from uh, reputable Christian sources. Um, but we have to understand that this is the issue. This is what's going on. So even those who, hey, I get paid for this, you know, and even those who say, oh yeah, th I, I enjoy this. This is what I like to do. The truth is when it's all unveiled, the truth is all unveiled and unraveled, this is not something that people are enjoying. I mean, it's just not possible in, in what we're really talking about. So all of that to say today, and, and again, we could go on and talk about these things forever. We've talked a lot about the problem and I'll share with you, um, you know, the, the Free Methodist Church is very clear on these sorts of issues of pornography and sexual intimacy. In our Book of Discipline, reading from the 2015 Book of Discipline, it tells us um, some things. And one thing I'd like to highlight for you today about pornography from the D Book of Discipline, it says that the scriptures warn against those who participate in sexual immorality. And it says the use of pornography is a vicarious participation in sexual immorality. So while you're not really going out and having an affair physically with somebody, the Book of Discipline and the Bible, I would, I would argue as well, which I'm sure was what the bishops were thinking when they wrote this, right? Is that this is a vicarious participation in what is happening on that screen or in that book. 
And the Book of Discipline goes as far as to say such participation includes viewing, listening to, or purposefully imagining others engaged in these sorts of activities. And that's something that we might not think of. You know, as we think of pornography, we think of the videos, right? That's the first thing we think of. But I don't think we think of maybe audio. We may not think of books, of these romance books that are scene after scene, page after page of explicit stuff. And people are able to, you know, pull up these images in their minds the same as if they were watching something. Um, so women, you know, who are listening, when you think of pornography, don't just think of this idea of, you know, a guy watching something on their computer or somebody, you know, looking something up on their phone. This is the, these are the books. This is all of the countless women that showed up to the movie theater to see Magic Mike about the, the stripper, right, and the sequel. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing going on. Purposefully imagining others engaged in sexual activities. That's what the book Discipline says, and it, it, it images, it, it, it uh, reflects the, um, the, the Bible as well. This is what the Bible's saying. You know, um, I, I, I love what the D Book of Discipline says on these sort of issues, and it goes on for a few pages on, on sexual intimacy and, and what real um, sex should look like in terms of in a, a, in a committed relationship. Um, in a, and I, I, should, I should back up from saying that, actually. Committed relationship, committed married relationship. Because there are plenty of people out there that are committed. They say, oh, I've committed to you, and we're going to move in together. We're going to have, you know, we're going we're gonna to live in this together. We're going to uh, sleep in the same bed and, and, and you know, the whole thing. Um, but then, what, a year or two down the line, they break up because there's not a, the commitment in words just to say, I'm committed to this person, I'm moving in, is not what God has called us to. He's called us to make a public commitment, which is, which is a marriage, a legal commitment, you know, that which is a wedding, which is a marriage, um, because those things seem to last. Those things seem to last longer than just to say, I'm moving in with my girlfriend and we've committed our lives to each other. They never really seem to last very much, do they? Um, the Bible in Song of Solomon talks about this, uh, and, and it's full of poetry. Um, Song of Solomon 8 uh, has some of the best poetry out there, I think, some of the best love poetry. And in fact, the book of Song of Songs was actually um, considered too explicit for some of the, the younger uh, Jewish children until they were of age, which at, in their age was 13, um, because some of the things that are said in this book, and you might read Song of Solomon and say, well, I don't see anything explicit in this book. I, I just looked through, glanced through it all. I don't see anything. But we have to understand that there's so much symbolism. So when they talk about, you know, the fruit, tasting the fruit and all these sorts of things, they're not talking about, you know, apples and oranges. They're talking about sexual acts, right, in a lot of what is Song of Solomon. So it, it, the ancient rabbis, and in Jesus' day, um, they would hold this this Song of Solomon back um, because of the explicitness of it from the children until they were a little older and then they allowed them to read these things. But in the midst of all of this stuff, this is a talking about a relationship between two people, Solomon and a woman who is never named by name. Um, and one of them, uh, they say this, she says this, uh, the woman says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. This is Song of Solomon 8 six and seven. She says, love is strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. 
And just think through some of the things that are being said there, you know, this love that can never be washed away. And of course, those videos, those books, you know, those are fun for a season. They're fun for a moment, right? They're, the person is there for you at that moment. You know, that person that you're lusting after, that image on the screen, they're there for you. It's, it's like we read about in the, in the Dirty Little Secret book, right? Spencer, or I think his name was, he, has the, he had the idea that, you know, oh, oh, it was Carter. Carter had this idea that, you know, oh, th this person's here to fulfill my every fantasy. Well, that wasn't reality, you know? That, that, that person's just an image on a screen, and backing up from that, that person is a, is a daughter, is a son, is an actual somebody who is somebody's baby, right? It's somebody's um, child. And so when we think about these things, we have to keep that in mind. But it doesn't live into, that short-term um, lust does not live into this, what we read here in Song of Solomon. It doesn't burn like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame, this love that could never be quenched or extinguished or washed away. There's no reality in, in, in pornography or in lust found here in, this, in these verses of Song of Solomon. There's nothing lasting. And, and what we have to understand here in our world, um, if you're single, maybe it's hard. Maybe you're got, you say, well, it's really hard to be single and not you know, have an outlet for, for my sexuality or something like that. Maybe that's what you've been saying to yourself. Maybe you've been telling other people that. And so you, you make excuses right, for looking at these things or reading these sorts of books because, well, well once I'm married, it'll become easier. But what statistics show and what people are finding, um, what people find out all the time is that it doesn't become easier just because you're married now and now you have this um, person in your life um, that you now, okay, well, I waited to have sex till I was married, so now it becomes much easier, right? No, that's not how it is. People find out, well, I'm already addicted to the online stuff. I'm already addicted to this kind of literature, to these books, to these movies. Um, and so it doesn't become easy now that you're married all of a sudden. Maybe it'll go away for a few months or, wow, I'm married. Now I made a new commitment and now it's gone. But then it comes back. It comes back and it always does. So as far as solving this issue, we have to understand that it can no longer be the elephant in the pew. It can no longer be the hidden behind the scenes thing. We need to be willing to talk about this. If you've had an issue in the past and you've kind of kept it to yourself, maybe you need to be a little more forthcoming and talk to people about it. You need to share with people um, and, and be willing to be open about helping somebody else out, right? Uh, if you're currently dealing with something, you need to talk to somebody that you trust. And that is hard. You know, it's hard to say I have this issue with things that are usually behind the scenes. You know, you don't get together and... Um, it may be easier to, to admit if you have a drinking issue because that's somewhat culturally acceptable to go out and drink. But to have an issue with pornography, to have an issue with these sorts of you know, materials like books or movies or videos, you, know, you usually don't get together with a bunch of friends and say, oh, let's all go watch this pornographic video today. You know, you, you, usually that sort of thing doesn't happen. It's usually on your own in private. And so it's harder to bring up. It's harder to admit to because maybe nobody knows that you're doing that on your own time. But you have to do it for your own well-being. Statistics are saying now that you know there's, there's um, a point where you can kind of do irreversible damage to yourself. That there's these chemicals that are released in your brain every time you view a video or every time you read some of this stuff and that um, you become addicted. That's the addiction, these chemicals that are released in your brain. 
And so over time, you get it in your mind that every time you see somebody who's attractive, you have that bad thought. Even if you've been away from looking at this stuff for a long time, you have these thoughts come up in your mind and there is this damage that can be done. And really, I shouldn't say that it's not repairable because these are the kinds of things that Jesus does in our life. Jesus will repair. Jesus can do a miracle. God will do a miracle. He will heal you back to your your right mind. He can do that. But you have to get yourself right. You can't do this stuff on your own and just say, oh, just increase my reading of the Bible, increase my devotions time. If you're if you're anybody like half, the, you know, the majority of the others, you're not able to do it on your own. And you're going to find that out. And you've already realized that on your own. Um, there are some great resources on Triple X Church. I will direct you to go to xxxchurch.com um, because they have um, over there on the site, they have some free accountability software, stuff you can get, you can download free resources. There is a um, emergency button you can click if you need to talk to somebody online right away to say, how I, I need the next steps, but I can't talk to someone in my family. I'm too nervous yet, and I don't even know when I reach out to Josh because you know he, he's kind of somebody that that I know in a way because I listen to the podcast. So I just want to talk to a stranger. Well, you can go to xxxchurch.com and you can within 30 minutes get somebody talking to you over there on the chat or through an email or through a call. Um, you can reach out to him there, just a complete stranger that you could talk about this issue with and get those next steps of of uh, maybe the courage to talk to somebody. Also, in a, an associated um, ministry with Triple X Church is x3watch.com. So the, the letter X, then the number three, and then watch.com. And that there, um, you can go over and uh, you can get um, that accountability software, which will send out a, um, it will monitor the websites that you go to. And uh, you set it up with, say, your pastor or your spouse or your, your best friend. And you, every uh, two weeks or however long you set it to go, it'll send out an email to that individual that you've, that you've set it up with. And it'll say, hey, you know, Joe, um, this week didn't go on any sites that were questionable. Or alternatively, it will list the sites that you went to that were questionable. It'll say so-and-so went to this site and this site and this site. And then, you know, your pastor or your spouse or your friend's going to call you up and say, hey, you know what happened this past week? I saw that there were some of the things that, you know, you went on to and, and uh, you know, you want to sit down and talk about this and, uh, you know, just sit down and, and hopefully, you know, you can just talk through some of the things and what went wrong and, and try to get that accountability. But it really helps when you've got that in the back of your mind, hey, uh, if I go on this site right now, even if I just go to the main page, it's going to send over and they're going to get an email on this. So uh, maybe I shouldn't. You know, It's something that, that you might want to consider installing and setting up. So those are some things for you today. And again, we've only been able to brush the surface as we are in most of our interviews or on this podcast because there's just so much in any issue we talk about that we could get into. And uh, <laughs> I guess as I started out, I said, well, I'm going to try to keep it short today. we got a lot to do. Um, but it's now at 53 minutes. And so before we hit that hour mark, I should stop now. But what I'll do before we go, I'll pray for you. And uh, hopefully if there's people out there that do want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me, josh at befreemc.org. You can call um, You can call my cell phone even, 234-759-9042. 
Um, just keep in mind, I will be in Cuba the 20th through the 30th. So if you send something over and I don't respond, it's not because I think you're too weird, you know, or, oh, that's, that's awkward. I don't want to talk to this guy or that person about this. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, I, I will respond in time if you email me during Cuba. Um, but all that to say, um, I hope to, uh, I hope that some of this stuff, this information helped you in some way, whether it's personally, whether it's as a parent to say, wow, maybe I should be keeping a closer eye on some of the things my parents are, on my kid, that my kids are doing. Um, or whether it just open your eyes to the industry and to say, wow, okay, um, this is a bigger issue than I thought, right? Um, but let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, I just pray that you'll be with everybody here today who's listening. Pray that you will allow them to know the next steps, that you'll give people the courage to speak to each other about the issues that are in their lives, whether it's this issue or another. And we do even pray right now for those who are in the industry, those who are, um, first of all, who are slaves, who are modern-day slaves that are being forced into this kind of a work. Um, but we also pray for those who have chosen, have signed the legal papers, who are legally fined to do this kind of work, um, who, who even get paid, who get a paycheck, who, who get paid a lot more than anybody listening <laughs> uh, to, to do this kind of stuff. We pray for them because we know that even though they're getting paid, even though they've signed up to do this, that every story I've ever heard has revealed that this is irreversible. What has been happened to them, is, even if they signed up to it, is something that they're not happy about, they're not proud of, that they're not excited about. Um, and so we just pray right now that you'll be with them, that you will be able to get them out of this, that you'll be able to show them another viable way of life, that they wouldn't feel like they're trapped in this industry. They would get free and that they could um, then focus on you and that they would be able to trust in you and to, to, to provide the emotional and the, the physical, whatever kind of healing that they need, especially the spiritual healing. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. All right, we'll be back in November. And until then, uh, hope everybody has a, a great rest of October. And uh, keep in mind what we've been talking about, about the upcoming trick-or-treat. I'd love to hear your stories. If you're going to do something amazing for Halloween to reach out to your community, reach out to your neighborhood, please, 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 if you're doing something, don't just say, oh, I'm not going to send it in. Please send it in because it makes me so excited to hear from all of you. Um, if you have anything to send in to me, always uh, look in the show notes, put it in the voicemail, call me, uh, email, anything. I'd love to hear from you and hear your feedback. So we will talk to you soon and we will be back in November. So long.